0: I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is the General Director of Opera Delaware, Brendan Cook. Welcome, Brendan. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here. So glad to have you here in the studio today to talk about the, correct me if I'm wrong, 11th oldest opera company in the United States. By by our math, that is uh, that is true. I, I was just sharing that
1: uh, when I started, we were the 14th oldest uh, now we're the 11th. It's not a race we want to win, uh, but it means that we've, uh, we've survived where some others haven't. We're a- approaching our 75th anniversary next year.
0: So. And survived in what has been in recent years a really innovative uh, series of programs. But let's go back to the beginning. Absolutely. How did Opera Delaware get started? In 1945, uh, it was started by a,
1: a bunch of local uh, artisans under the uh, guidance of Chick Laird. Uh, and I believe their initial performances were at Brex Mill, mm-hmm. and uh, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in those days. It was a predominantly volunteer endeavor, and uh, I bet it was just a great, great deal of fun. It was 1945. They brought in a touring production of Carmen from Opera Boston, and they supplemented with local uh, local chorus. And had so much fun that uh, they sort of kept uh, kept doing it. And frankly, there are lots of other people uh, more appropriate to talk to about the earlier days uh, than me. I always love running into them and and hearing the stories. But uh, I've only been on the scene since about 2012.
0: (laughs) So that's interesting, though, to hear Chick Laird's name, because he also was instrumental in the founding of the Brandywiners, which uh, go back uh, just about as far, and they're still performing annually out at Longwood Gardens. Indeed, indeed, yeah. So Opera Delaware uh, started um, 80, uh, how many years ago again? Well, we're... uh,
1: 2020 will be our 75th anniversary. Okay. So,
0: yeah. Okay. And and um, in your time here, um, there have been some significant changes in, in how the operations happen. But let, let's talk about uh, uh, sort of how opera has evolved in the American cultural scene over the last 75 years. Sure. Sure. I mean, it's just uh, briefly, it's
1: hard to do that briefly. I mean, it's an ever changing playing field. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a culture study that came out a couple, I think it was last year that, that said that about 2% of the American population, uh, went to an opera in the previous year. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's a little soul crushing to hear, but it also is, it's a reality. I think we all, um, we all compete for people's time. And I think in a day and age when, um, entertainment is so readily available at the tip of a, of a finger. Um, it's, it's a challenge sometimes to get people to corner off a piece of their life to spend time with us in the theater. Those who do, uh, as you know, are just so richly rewarded for making that investment. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a perpetual challenge to introduce new people to the art form because there are some occasionally unfair preconceptions about what opera is. Um, Ninety-nine point forty-four percent of them are not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it really is an art form for everybody, uh, mm-hmm. and everybody should be able to identify with these characters and uh, this this incredible, incredible music. So, um, the other thing that has happened a lot recently is there's been a, a huge increase of contemporary work being written, um, and we're focusing on some of that this year in in our in our season. But the um, the canon of contemporary opera has just absolutely exploded over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of interesting stuff for, uh, for us to explore.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that opera is an art form for everyone. I, I would venture to say that uh, opera is also probably one of the most uh, all-inclusive art forms. It includes music, theater, a drama, uh, the visual arts. Could, yeah. could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, Because it's, it all, I mean, that sort of, I know it impacts, you know, production costs and, <laughs> and everything else. You went too. there. You went right to the cost. <laughs> I mean, it, it, is, it is probably the most
1: expensive art form because of that. I mean, opera comes from the Latin word meaning work, mm-hmm. uh, plural. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of these works are coming together. You have a, a symphony orchestra in the pit. You have these uh, magnificent singers on stage in handmade costumes, you've got the uh crew moving the scenery. I mean they're just all of these elements. And it does make it rather expensive, but I'd also argue that it's what it's what makes it special. And that when you're in the audience, um if if you have your eyes open and you're invested in what you're seeing, uh you realize that you're part of an incredible value proposition and that there's just simply no way that your ticket sales only supported what you're seeing on stage so i I think there's a wow factor that comes with opera uh if you're willing to go into it and look at what you see on the stage is the tip of the iceberg but if you let your Mm -hmm. mind go to the effort that goes into creating this uh evening that exists for two and a half hours and then is over and if you Mm -hmm. you know if you weren't there uh you 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 missed it you can't Mm -hmm. you can't stream it you can't uh rewind and and see it later so it's it is a, a financial dilemma, but I also think it's one of the things that uh, it's one of our best chances mm-hmm. to bring in new audiences and get them hooked when we get them there. Just the sheer wonder of all of these different elements that come together to create this thing that we call opera—it's uh, it's really thrilling.
0: Mm-hmm. And the other thing about opera that that is unique, uh, uh, especially today—I mean, I, I have background in musical theater, but um, I mean, the, the opera voice is trained. As an instrument, it doesn't rely on microphones and, you know, mixers and everything else. Could you speak to that a little bit? Because yeah, it, I know
1: you're operatically trained. Well, I, I was. Yeah, I was a professional singer for about 20 years. And it's. Uh, it, I think it's one of the biggest sort of tricks and uh, tools that we have in our new audience cultivation strategies. It's just the the athletic nature of of what an opera singer has to do um they have to use these two tiny little muscles in their throat mm-hmm. uh, but the full force of their body to project this sound over a full symphony orchestra without the benefit of amplification usually in a foreign language while wearing a big costume <laughs> and uh, you know doing all of the other things that that come with this but the there is nothing more thrilling than when you're in a you're in a theater and you you hear a singer who sort of has that fifth gear you mm-hmm. know and there's a big ensemble going but then this soprano comes out with this this note that's 10 times louder than everybody else. And it's, I I compare it a lot to um, athletic endeavors. Mm -hmm. I'm in awe when I see a quarterback throw a ball down the, uh, down the field, 50 yards while getting hit, you know, and put it into this, this (laughs) small area that only the receiver can catch it. I, I make that comparison all the time with, with what, uh, with what opera singers have to do and the level of uh, physical training uh, that is, that is necessary uh, Mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. And just the 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 amount of, of physical capital that it takes to um, to perform it's just it's absolutely exhausting, mm-hmm. but it's thrilling. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's there's no place better uh, in my mind uh, on the on the East Coast, if not the entire country, uh, to experience that than the magnificent Grand Opera House, mm-hmm. where literally you can sit in the last row and. Hear the people on stage as if they're as as close as you and I are today. It's, right, it's really right, remarkable. Right.
0: Now l- let's turn to Opera Delaware itself and how how it has been uh, reshaped uh, during your time here. Because I believe you came in at a time when there was still a three or four opera season, and it's a totally different animal today. Yeah, that. we had uh, we had gone down to
1: two operas uh, and a number of uh, ancillary events throughout mm-hmm. the year with three performances of each. Uh, in 2016, we we decided to sort of take a bold move and capitalize on our geography. Um, this is no disrespect to the to the old company, but sometimes I joke that our our marketing strategies were uh, how do we avoid losing people to Philadelphia and New York? Mm-hmm. And in 2016, we said, well, what if what if we made it? appealing for Philadelphia and New York to come here. So we followed the model of some other companies and went to a festival model, which means that in a, in a compressed period of time, we have multiple offerings so that if you live in Baltimore, DC, you can come here and and spend a weekend and see two operas uh, at one time. And uh, it's the strategy has really paid off in terms of out of town uh, visitors uh, the, the wonderful thing for us is that uh, we see Opera Delaware serving as the catalyst for people to come here and see all of the other incredible uh, embarrassment of cultural riches mm-hmm. that we have in the region. So it's mm-hmm. a, it's been a thrill to sort of play a small part in exposing uh, exposing the region to what you and I know we have here just in uh in, as I said, an embarrassing level of riches.
0: And you have other activities going on. I know at the time of this airing, you will have had a, I believe, young singers yes. presentation. Yes. So this year we have started our
1: uh, young artist training program, which is uh, essentially we have seven young singers who are post uh, postgraduate <coughs> degree students and sort of on the cusp of major international careers, but just need a little more time. Uh, need a few months to focus on only singing and Mm -hmm. not waiting tables or, or temping. Sure. Uh, So these seven young artists uh, will perform a scenes program, but they're also available to us to go out and do community outreach initiatives. And they all have pretty uh, important roles to play in uh, the context of the festival as well. They're either singing supporting roles in some cases, leading roles. And in most cases, covering the, uh, the leading roles in the festival. So if, uh, if an artist gets a cold or something like that, we have a, we have a safety valve uh, here in town. Mm-hmm. Very excited to be able to add that element this year.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to turn to your upcoming festival, but first remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is the General Director of Opera Delaware, Brendan Cook. Brennan, I want to, uh, to go down the go down the path of uh, this uh, the upcoming festival, but first, point out uh, or ask you to talk a little bit about the national recognition you've been getting in the past couple of years. Pretty exciting. Yeah, we've been we've been very blessed. One of our goals when we shifted to festival was to try to get some of
1: that third party approval from out of area publications and. We set out to um, our goal was to have three out of area reviews in our first festival season, and we had 30, including three international reviews. So I just love having meetings with uh, with corporate partners or uh, with politicians where I can pull out a French publication that uh, in their section where they're reviewing operas, they're listed uh, by city, and it says Venice, Wilmington, Berlin. Uh, so we're very proud about mm-hmm. that. Uh, we've also been very uh, fortunate to have four years in a row of uh, competitive funding uh, from the National Endowment for the Arts through their uh, artworks grant track. And uh, last year, we were we were absolutely delighted to be selected to participate in a national radio broadcast where our 2017 production of Semiramide was uh, sent to uh, a national audience uh, essentially when the Met opera is not running their Saturday broadcasts there's an outfit out of Chicago that will syndicate some material and we were uh, we were invited to uh, Invited to participate in that, we've been invited back next year for three national radio
0: broadcasts. Wow! So we're super excited. That's great. So you'll be able to use operas you've done and recorded for those those broadcasts. Exactly.
1: Yeah, we record
0: uh, an archival
1: recording of everything that we uh, that we do, and we've been uh, we've been invited again to have three. Three Saturdays of just uh, wonderful institutional marketing opportunities mm-hmm. for us next mm-hmm. year.
0: Now, I'm just curious does does the uh, does the organization that coordinates this? I guess they take care of any copyright issues, or how does how does no, that so work? No, so we
1: we have to handle that on okay. our own. Okay. Yeah, they uh, they'll handle the the producing and the syndication of, the, of the content. But okay. if there's if there's a copyright any union obligations right. that we have to our orchestra i mean that's okay. that's on us to fundraise fundraise for with our, right. va- our valued partners but at the at the same time it's just uh it's a small price to pay for that level of of institutional marketing yeah because uh, we also control the intermission content so oh, great. we're able okay. to say all these wonderful things that we truly believe about yeah. uh, you know the environment in which we get to present art yeah so it's great. Well
0: that, that's wonderful. Well well, you you mentioned earlier about uh a lot of the uh, the wealth of contemporary material mm-hmm. now that is being developed uh, uh composed uh, in opera, and that's really what this spring I think is about. Let's let's turn to the upcoming festival. I mean, sure. it, it just uh, uh, it looks like it has a theme to it, and just some really exciting work. Yeah, we try to have a theme for for
1: each festival, and uh, I have to admit that I was hired here as the guy who wanted to do historically informed productions of nineteenth century <laughs> works. Uh, you know, but but we saw a wonderful opportunity to have a festival this year that um, is more in line with uh, some of our community. With our our stout legal community in Delaware, we we have this law-themed festival this year. Um, Two of the three works happen to be contemporary, uh, and they're all in English. So uh, we start with Jake Heggie's Dead Man Walking with a libretto by Terrence McNally, after the book by Sister Helen Prejean, uh, and the um, Oscar-winning movie uh, Dead Man Walking. And it's... um, the piece is now 20 years old, and I believe it is the most popularly performed opera that was written in in my lifetime. I don't know that you can quote me on that, but it's mm-hmm. been done a lot. It's had uh, lots and lots of productions, but never been done uh, here in Delaware. Uh, and then we have um, we always try to have balance. We have tragedy and we have comedy. So that's the uh, obviously the the tragic side. The comedic side we have a double bill of uh, contemporary opera by Derek Wang, who is a uh, a practicing attorney, but also a classical Hmm. composer. And that opera is called Scalia Ginsburg. He essentially has uh, set their dissenting opinions, essentially, Hmm. to uh, tell the story of their unlikely friendship, which uh, conveniently for us revolved around going to the opera together, Hmm. uh, which is great. But it's it's an extraordinary message for us to be able to put out there today Mm -hmm. that, uh, hey, we can vehemently disagree about policy but still not only be civil to each other, we can actually still be friends. I was
0: going to say they couldn't be any more uh, far apart on the bench. Right. (laughs) In their decision. True, but but they were,
1: they were the dearest of friends, Uh, Uh. you know, and uh, that opera is paired with um, Gilbert and Sullivan's trial by jury. Okay. So uh, that'll be a a fun, a fun pairing, but yeah, Scalia Ginsburg is, uh, it's quite wonderful. And also the dead man walking. One of the things that we appreciate about them is they're not necessarily telling you, how you should feel. Mm-hmm. Scalia Ginsburg isn't telling you which one of these uh, you know icons you should side with. It's mm-hmm. just the 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 very ending ensemble is we are different, we are one, mm-hmm. and this this idea that we can disagree, uh, but but still be friends. It's, as I said, we're we're super excited to mm-hmm. be sending that message out mm-hmm. to the world. I think we we all need a little dose of that today. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dead Man Walking it doesn't necessarily tell you. Uh, how to land on the issue of the death penalty, it just sort of shows that it's, it's an incredibly complicated topic. Right. And right. Uh, the art serves as a, uh, as an opportunity to maybe reconsider your positions, but to, to have some dialogue and to really examine your own thinking, mm-hmm. which is what mm-hmm. we really believe art, art should do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's interesting. I, I The the storyline we are talking off air, I believe is, is uh, was also in the, in the film with uh, Susan Sarandon and, or Sirandon and uh, Sean Penn, but it, I mean the storyline where where the nun is is feeling this empathy, this compassion for both the convicted as as well as the families of of you know the the victims. Yeah, and uh, it's it's uh, just heart wrenching. Uh, ex- material.
1: It's an extraordinary story of yeah. of this nun essentially being being caught in the middle of yeah. this of this situation that just does not have a any positive outcome no matter no matter how you look at right. it and uh, you know one very interesting choice that the composer of the opera and and the librettist uh made when they wrote the opera is that um, there's no doubt throughout the whole story the very first thing you see is the act the mm-hmm. murder you know and so there's the audience has no doubt that the protagonist is is guilty mm-hmm. uh and that allows for a very interesting lens under which to sort of tell this story of, of ultimately redemption and, and forgiveness. Right. But But um, it's, it's a really uh, extraordinary story and we're, we're delighted to share that uh, sister Helen Prejean will actually be with us uh, for opening night, actually for our dress rehearsal and for mm-hmm. opening night. So we'll be hopefully announcing some uh, community events where people can come and meet her. But, what a, what a great opportunity for our cast to sort of meet the person who, who lived, lived through this uh, really, really difficult situation. Hmm.
0: That's re- really exciting. Now, uh, I assume at the time of this recording, you've, uh, the operas have been cast. The, you, you know who the singers are going to be. We do. We. Uh, and they're, uh, at least learning their, their work, if not in rehearsal. <laughs> they re- better be. In rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> they better be. We start
1: soon. I mean, we, we certainly have uh, lots of finishing touches <clears throat> yeah. to, uh, Put on things at the time of this recording. We're just starting to build our our sets, mm-hmm. uh, but everything should be should be ready to go. But yeah, we have uh, Dead Man Walking is a is a rather large cast with mm-hmm. lots of uh, lots of small parts. Um, but we've got a couple uh, wonderful folks returning to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Mix, who last appeared with us in Omlet- Omletto, will uh, will take on the role of Joseph de Rocher. And Alex Romano, who had a star turn for us in Semiramide, takes on the role of uh, Sister Helen Prejean. Uh, performance will be conducted by uh, Maestro Jerome Shannon, who is, I think this will be his eighth production of Dead Man hmm. Walking. Wow. So we've got someone with so much experience uh, with the work. believe it's our director's first foray uh, into this work. Okay, Octavio Cardenas will uh-huh. be directing and directing. Uh, And then um, Scalia Ginsburg is is quite fun. The young lady that is portraying um, Justice Ginsburg actually had her start in Opera Delaware's Family Opera Oh, how about that? She's from Delaware okay. um, and uh, has gone on to have a major international career. And mm. it's Jennifer Zetlin. Mm-hmm. And it, what a great vehicle to have her sort of uh, return home. Yeah. Uh, that's, so, great. yeah that's great. Yeah. We're very excited.
0: Now, do you, are any of the uh, singers overlapping in diff, uh, some of the different? Uh, operas great question and it creates a great deal of um
1: scheduling tetris I but we have s- is some of the smaller <laughs> roles are yeah. uh, and in one case a rather significant role um ben wager who also had his start in our chorus and has gone on to a major major career is singing the commentator in scalia ginsburg and also the warden in um, in dead man walking so okay. he's going to be doing some double duty. And then many of our young artists are involved in, in all the productions. I think four or five of our choristers also. So um, occasionally people might have to look down and look at their costumes, see what they're wearing to figure out what, uh, what show they're in. <laughs> you know, yeah, right, you, there's right. a, a lot of moving pieces right. for sure.
0: Well, we've got about a minute left, so I, I don't want to lose uh, sight on uh, promoting where people can find information about uh, your upcoming uh festival
1: terrific if they visit opera de.org um, you can find information about all of our upcoming performances and uh, I- information about each of the shows and how to get tickets i I will say that uh, tickets are going rather quickly, uh, mm-hmm. especially to Scalia Ginsburg. It sort of has caught fire, I think, mm-hmm. because of the uh, sure. the amount that uh, that Justice Ginsburg has been in the news lately. Um, right. So we're we're gonna it's gonna be a tight tight fit right. <laughs> for some of those performances.
0: Right. And the week uh, the dates for the festival.
1: So we open on. April 27th with Dead Man Walking. Uh, and that also repeats the following Saturday. We have a Saturday matinee on May 4th, which is new for us. And then Trial by Jury opens on Sunday, April 28th, and we close on May 3rd. So the idea is you could come to either weekend and see both both shows. Or great. you could split it up across two weeks.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. Our guest today has been Brendan Cook, the General Director of Opera Delaware. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and today. Great fun, Paul. Thanks so much.